It is Monday, at least we are recording on a Monday. When people are listening is another question. <laughs> Live in front of a studio audience on tape. There's, no, there's no studio audience. What? No, there's. No, and we're barely live. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're McCow- barely Allah. Well, one of us is. It's McCow and Shannon. <laughs> um, the Toronto Blue Jays have been in a bit of a slide of late, but it isn't so much their record that concerns me. It is their performance and specifically the, the pitching. And um, I know I've been around the game for my entire life. I should know better. But anytime this kind of a slide happens, I get nervous as hell. <laughs> is it as much of a slide, Bob, as every other team that they're up against is better right now? I mean, obviously the Yankees, the Red Sox have passed them mercurially. And then, uh, and then they're even right now still uh, tied with the Rays. Well... Manoa, it seems every out, outing is a, is a good one, sometimes a great one. Stripling has been pretty effective. Yeah. The other but, three guys have been yeah. puzzling. They've stubbed their toes. And we're going to talk about it. Um, Jamie Campbell of Sportsnet will join us when we come back after these messages. And we are back, uh, McCowan, Shannon, and Jamie Campbell, the uh, one of the voices of the Blue Jays on uh, Sportsnet, joins us. Been a uh, an interesting road trip that uh, I think makes a lot of fans nervous. That mm-hmm. combined with the way everybody else in the yeah. American League East seems to be playing mm-hmm. has got people uh, watching that uh, that standings board every day. Are you? I peek at it from time to time, Bob, and uh, you know that's the longtime fan that's embedded in me. Just keeping an eye on where they sit and it makes sense to check it every now and then I'm not in um, the kind of panic mode that some people appear to be in based on some of the things I've been seeing on social media, because um, you both know that that 162 is a long, long season and so many things can change and so many things can look like they're wrong and then turn on a dime within a week. Um, but yeah, I've been taking a peek and it's noticeable that the, uh, you know, that the Boston Red Sox, for example, are on some kind of a run right now. Um, and as 40, a result, and ele- 40 and 11 or something silly like that? Yeah, it's it's an incredible uh, resurgence given where they were at the beginning of the year. And there's some dramatic improvement from guys who were, I mean, for example, Nick Pavetta, who, as I recall, near the end of April was, was you know, basically teetering on a demotion to AAA. And now he's putting up the kind of numbers that, would would certainly get him into the all-star game um, as a selection. So that's the funny thing about baseball is that as well as things can go for a while, they can go just as wrong for a long stretch. And what you're seeing from the Blue Jays right now is, is proof of that. I mean, who knew that Jose Barrios would look as bad as it did in the final game in Milwaukee? Uh, Kikuchi's issues right now seem rather predictable and head-scratching. Um, and that's... You know, that's two-fifths of your starting rotation right now that seems to be in a bit of a panic. And they've got this long uh, homestand coming up with a five-game series against Tampa Bay, as Dan Schulman so eloquently stated on the broadcast, five games within 72 hours, and they don't have enough pitching to make it through. Well, the pitching is interesting with the Blue Jays. And, I mean, we talk about this all the time this notion of success breeding success and failure breeds failure. And this, the starting rotation was so good at the beginning of the year. It, it kept this team in games that their offense, mm-hmm. well, well, where their offense was almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was two, one, three, two, it seemed every night. And now all of a sudden you've got, well, two guys who are pitching pretty well and three guys who can't get anybody out because I mean, um, Gaussman's hasn't been great either no. over the last little while. Mm-hmm. And Kikuchi is a puzzlement from the standpoint of what do you do with him? Because he, quite frankly, looks quite lost out there. He does. And what's interesting about Kikuchi is that in conversations with people from Seattle, a lot of this was predictable. Um, I have heard the term soft when associated with uh, the man, I 
will freely admit I haven't had any conversations uh, with him yet. Um, but what keeps our heads scratched, and, and Joe Siddle pointed this out on the broadcast, he can't quite understand why a guy with um, an elite fastball won't use the elite fastball. And at one point after he had thrown a pitch behind Andrew McCutcheon, nearly hit him in the ear, um, ended up ricocheting off his bat, I said, well, maybe, Joe, this is just me, but I've been seeing a lot of fastballs in the last couple of starts that haven't been anywhere near the plate. In fact, they've been closer to hitting people than they are hitting a catcher's mitt. And I said, I wonder if he's just straight up afraid of, of hurting somebody. And Joe turned to me and he said, I just think he's afraid of getting hit and hit hard. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of mentality, you know, I'll, I'll never forget what Mark Burley used to say is as soon as that ball leaves my hand, it's not my problem, right? It's, it's, I can't control the outcome anymore. And there are just some players who have this real fear of having their pitches knocked out of a ballpark. And maybe that's the thing that is, is clouding the mind of Kikuchi these days and preventing him from using this electric fastball that he seems to possess. Well, the thing, the thing sorry, John, the thing that, that I find somewhat puzzling is uh, not that he chooses to try and throw the breaking ball, which is clearly inferior to his fastball, because I agree with everything you've said, but that the coaching staff management hasn't mandated that he do it, that they seemingly continue to allow him to wait, shake off fastballs and go with sliders that don't seem to be fooling anybody. Mm -mm. And that's the part that puzzles me. I, I don't get it. Do you? I don't. And, and you can look at, at very specific at bats and I'll give you one example. Uh, the second batter of the game, on Saturday, Willie mm -hmm. Adamas. At one point, Kikuchi threw him nine consecutive sliders. And then the next pitch that he threw that wasn't a slider was a fastball, and it missed the strike zone, if I'm not mistaken, by about eight feet. And Joe turned to me and said, well, you know, it would make sense that you, you can't command a fastball when you've just thrown nine consecutive sliders. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. You would think that that command would be rather rather instant for a guy that's of major league caliber. But in this case, um, he yanked a fastball. Um, and a lot of it had to do with this, this, as you say, this, this penchant for wanting to continuously throw the pitch that isn't even his best. And, and maybe that has a little bit to do with the fact that the Blue Jays do not have, and I kind of include Danny Jansen this, in this equation, a, um, I don't, I don't want to say a Yadier Molina type catcher, but a, you know, a, a JT real Muto type experience and in your catcher, face kind of guy, the kind of veteran catcher who would read bats, read a pitcher's uh, actions on the mound, go out, call time, do whatever one has to do. But you've got Gabriel Moreno and, and Alejandro Kirk back there. Yeah. And as, as, as amazing as Kirk has been at the plate, there's still these young, impressionable, inexperienced receivers who, who are still learning, apparently, how to catch a big league pitcher. And, and maybe that's part of the issue. But isn't this, isn't this supposed to be Pete Walker's strength? That might be one of the reasons why they gave Kikuchi a three-year deal, right? Considering that Robbie Ray came over from Arizona and they completely transformed him. Mm -hmm. And then off he went, signed his big free agent contract with Seattle. And maybe they thought, well... You know, Kikuchi's got some issues. We seem to help fix Robbie Ray. Maybe we can fix Kikuchi. So it's a three-year contract. Maybe a year from now, if, if Pete gets to spend enough time with him, you're seeing a completely different pitcher on the mound. I don't know. Uh, but for now, he, he's an issue. Uh, to, to the point of, personally, I, I, I can't see a team that fancies itself a contender starting him on Thursday. Uh, against Tampa Bay and the opener of that five game but, series. But, but to your point about what Dan said on the air, <laughs> what choice do they have? Well, they have uh, Maximo Castillo, who, who finished that game with four innings, allowed a single hit, struck out seven, if I'm not mistaken, 
threw about, I don't know, 65, 70 pitches. If you can get through the next three games without him, what the heck? Let him start the game. Send him out there for four innings. And then maybe, again, if you can get innings in the opener from Gosman and you don't have to use some of these low leverage relievers, maybe you stockpile them for a Thursday start so that uh, Castillo could go four, Trent Thornton can go two, and now you've got six innings covered that Kikuchi would normally, under normal circumstances, um, would amass. But then, well, you've got also- the issue, then you've got the issue of a Saturday doubleheader yeah. right, against a, a rare doubleheader against Tampa Bay, and maybe that's just, I know, or from what I've heard, Thomas Hatch is lined up in AAA to throw that day, so maybe that's the guy you bring up to start one of those games. The one thing I was going to make mention for those that aren't aware, and I know you know this, is Casillo's a starter. Mm-hmm. He was brought up kind of as a long relief guy, mm-hmm. and he may very well be more suited to that. But this is a guy they signed when he was like 17 years old, and they've been watching him for a long period of time. Um, they must have been doing something right in Buffalo for him to be brought up, I would assume. And he could theoretically throw 80, maybe even 90 pitches. Theoretically, don't you mm-hmm. think? I think so. Uh, yeah, but then who follows him? Castillo can't follow Castillo. That's that's <laughs> well, what no, if you get if you in, get right? eighty or ninety, if you no. get eighty or ninety out of him, you're into the ass end of the bullpen, you know. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, you're looking at two or three guys to go in inning each, and they've got those guys. Yes, they do, they do, and they. Hey, the, there there may be roster changes prior to that time that see yet another a Casey Lawrence type arm make its way up to the, the big league roster just to, to fortify um, the, the bullpen. So who knows what happens between now and Thursday? What do you think they do with Kikuchi? Like you can't keep, you just can't keep throwing them out there and watching them get lit up, you know, night oh. after night after night. At some point you have two choices. I think mm-hmm. you put them in the bullpen, which may defeat the purpose. Um, or maybe it, wakes them up or you can send them out. So I raised this point the other day and I don't know, and I'll be, I'll freely admit this. I don't know um, in terms of his tenure, whether he can be sent out. I'm pretty sure he could get sent to AAA. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this, you know, there's this um, built up tenure where if you have, I think it might be 10 years in the league and he does not five with the same team. You, you, you can't freely send a guy down right, without right. their permission. I don't think he qualifies for that. And frankly, I believe that based on, on what people are seeing and how people are responding to this, that that's the move that should be made is that we don't care that you're making 36 million over three. The performance isn't worthy of being in the big leagues. You're going to go down to triple A and sort it out. Um, Maybe he's better over a one-inning span right now, uh, and maybe coming out of the bullpen um, might be an option. But um, I'm not looking at it as long-term, Jamie. I'm just looking at, you know, go down there, spend a couple of weeks in the bullpen, get your head together, and figure this thing out. You know what they should probably consider and and might well is the old phantom il scenario i was just going to suggest as i like to say the strained neck from turning and watching balls fly over your head (laughs) because we've seen that happen before oh sure and i and then and then you get to um you know then you get to send them out on a rehab right Mm -hmm. yes yes you know if you have an issue sending them down Yes, and and the rehab can be a couple of starts in AAA and 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 a chance to regain some confidence in the fastball because we've seen. Look, we saw some outings. I think of one at Fenway Park where they couldn't touch the heater, you know. And then he was flipping that slider in just to change the look every now and then. But he he can be uh, odd as it is to say, can be a dominant pitcher when he's utilizing that fastball effectively. Well, and when he has his control, yes. But, the, but that the, is very erratic. The key thing in all of this discussion, if you want to take him off the active roster at this point or the bullpen, is who replaces him right now? It, and isn't that the issue of what's going on with the schedule in the last in the next seven to ten days? Yeah, 
uh, who replaces him in the rotation, I don't right. think is is a tough question. Who replaces him on the active roster? I mean, based on performance, would it matter? I mean, honestly, I, I, the, the, the confidence in him right now is at an all-time low, and I don't think anybody would put up a fuss if, and I'll use the name as an example, Casey Lawrence took over that spot on a semi-regular basis just to, you know, to get some innings, to get five or six, to get through five or six, giving up two or three runs, right. which would be a whole lot better than what we're witnessing now, which is two innings, sometimes three, four, sometimes five earned runs. It's just not, it's not um, an excusable scenario for a team, again, that thinks it's going to be in the postseason. If this was a rebuilding year and, and you signed him in the, in the same way that you had signed uh, Hyunjin Ryu three years ago to sort of push yeah. the envelope a little bit in future years, then fine. You deal with it. You let them learn at the major league level. But this mm -hmm. is a team whose fan base expects them to be playing October baseball this year. Well, and this is in a division now that have the, you know, I mean, the Yankees have had a few blips recently, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the two hottest teams in baseball right now. And um, the only way that the Jays are comfortable is because of the expanded, uh, expanded playoff situation. That's the only way right now. And, and they're fighting only for a wild card spot. I, I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees aren't going to fold and they could probably go 500 the rest of the way and, and still maintain a pretty healthy lead atop that division. So you're battling for a wild card position only, it seems. And, and that sort of, that's not what, what was expected. I mean, think no. of the people that looked at this roster, the acquisition of Gosman, um, and, and what at the start of the year was a, a pretty notable bullpen. And now it's, it's wild card only, it seems based on what New York's doing. And not to pick on them because we've certainly done that more than a few times over the last couple of years, but the blue Jays thought the answer was Nate Pearson. And even if Pearson was, you know, healthy, and, and and starting at, at Buffalo, he would have been the obvious choice, and you wouldn't be really worried about Kikuchi. You'd be arguing, well, let's get Kikuchi out of here one way or the other and mm -hmm. put Pearson in there with that arm. Um, but he's he's nowhere in sight, and there's reason to believe he never will be in sight again. He may not. And if there's a lesson to be learned there, it's that we should never put as much stock as we seem to in the future of quote unquote prospects, especially pitching prospects. Hmm. I think in recent years, you know, fans of this team have been spoiled by knowing that Vladdy was coming. He arrives and he's an MVP caliber player and knowing that Bo was in the system and Bichette arrives and he's, you know, quite possibly a future batting champion and knowing that Gabe Marino was coming and, you know, the early, returns are, are fairly decent and that every prospect um, should come up and succeed at the major league level. It's never assured. I mean, look at this wonderful story that just occurred in, in Philadelphia where the guy that was the number one overall choice back in 2014 finally got to the big leagues this week, Mark Appel, mm -hmm. you know, and he was one of those, those college pitchers from Stanford who people thought would, you know, have multiple all-star appearances, but in, in, Pitching terms, uh, it's real hard to forecast who are going to be uh, the studs of the future. And the, the interesting thing that I keep hearing about Nate Pearson from people inside the game is that mechanically, he's very sound and that and that the delivery is somewhat impeccable. And there's really not much in to change in that respect in order to protect against injuries. And yet... It seems there's a there's a new one coming up every time. You know, he had the he had the fracture on his arm after a comeback, or he's had uh, oblique situations. He's had all kinds of issues, and it's just an unfortunate story, given that the the kid has some real raw raw talent. Well, we were always told that he was more concerned about velocity than he was anything else. And if you do that, you're. I mean, but that's isn't your what body, isn't, But isn't your body going to break down if you're just that's all you're concerned about? You're going to just outthrow your body? I would think so, right? I would think so. And and yes, I I I I, I spent time at his house with his parents, and velocity was an important aspect of his development. Excuse me, you would have never said velocity. 
It's only in baseball they only say velo. Okay, v- let's oh, get yeah. velo. Come on, I, I, I'm get not, the terminology, I'm, Jamie. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not big on shortening things. Um, but that's that's the way kids are getting to the major leagues these days, right? That's the way kids get noticed. Nobody notices a guy who's got pinpoint command and throws 89, 90. They notice somebody that hits triple digits, and you're going to get fast tracked quicker if you can throw hard versus throw well. Mm. Well, let's be honest. It is also the reason why the Toronto Blue Jays and other teams were interested in them mm-hmm. and why we all salivated when they drafted them. Mm-hmm. And we found out that this guy was hitting hundred, even 102, I think at one point. And I don't know if you remember, but there was an article in one of the major magazines or someplace that talked about, could, this is the guy who could be the first to hit 110. Mm-hmm. You know, that yep. actually was written and talked about seriously. Yep. And Here's- he might, but it'll be on a motorcycle. Here's what I find fascinating about, and I'll use the term John Velo, <laughs> is that think of in the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, how many people have bellyached about the need for high velocity in the Blue Jays bullpen right now, and that they're one of the very few teams in the big leagues right now that can't get six innings out of a starter and then have some guy come out of the bullpen throwing 98 and 99. But, but velocity when it's straight is not that difficult for a major leaguer to hit Consider Julian Merriweather, for example, who's got that electric fastball that pushed a hundred miles an hour um, when he's healthy. And yet he can't get major league hitters out consistently. Um, Jeremy Beasley, we saw the other night with an uptick in velocity to 96 and 97 and the brewers were whacking him around the field. And so I always warn people, well, it's fine if they can hit 99 or 100, but if they can't locate and if they don't have a secondary pitch that's going to cross up a batter, there's not much that they're going to be able to do if they keep pounding a 100-mile-an-hour fastball down the heart of the strike zone. It's going to get hit because major league hitters know how to time that stuff up. Meanwhile, I mean, we don't want to spend all of our time here talking about the problems. Um Stripling has been something of a revelation in that um, this is a guy who was a major league pitcher, a major league starter with the Dodgers, Uh, not a front end guy, a back end guy, I grant you, but with a, you know, high quality organization, he pitched for them and he's had, you know, look at this guy's not going to be a, a Cy Young candidate, but He's a de- he's he's more than a decent pitcher, and we sort of forgot about him. And I think the organization sort of forgot about him for whatever reason. And for the most part, he's been pretty good since he's been brought in. Um, what the last three or four weeks? Your yes. thoughts on him? He's to me in the rotation for the rest of the year. Given that that Ryu's gone, well, yeah. I don't think there's any question. He's not going back to the bullpen. His stays as a, as a swing man are over, um, which is good for Ross, considering he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And, and, you know, the more he goes out there and throws five and sometimes six innings and gives his team a chance to win, the more money he's going to put in his pocket. Because this guy would be, you know, on a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example, he'd be an everyday or an every fifth day sort of two or three starter. Yeah, sure but, he would. But on this team, he's a very valuable fifth. Um, and he might move up the ranks if Kikuchi and uh, and Barrios can t- continue to struggle the way they are. But um, he, he's, he's a, he's a deep-thinking, um, well-versed man based on conversations I've had with him. He doesn't really complain about the role that he played early on in the year where he was essentially doing whatever the team asked of him. And now he's been thrust into this starters role. And uh, I think the Blue Jays should be awfully happy that he is where he is right now based on what's happening with some of the other starters. Well, and and listen, we don't want to be completely negative about this. But you have to ask the question, where would this pitching staff, both starters and bullpen, be without Alex Manoa? And, and Romano. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. you think about it, it, it the, there's, it's really the only, those are the only two. I mean, Romano had a few issues, but mm-hmm. the most consistent of everybody on, on the roster are those two guys. Correct. I'd agree. There's been some inconsistency to Romano's uh, a game. There was uh, mm-hmm. 
there was a situation in the in the last series at home where he uh, he had to go more than an inning for the right. first time all year. I right. think he threw an inning and a third against the Yankees. And I know that extra inning that he pitched. I think it, he only tossed seven pitches. But regardless, it was it was beyond what they've been asking him to do. And then he came in, I think, in Chicago to hold the lead in, in either the first or second game, if I remember correctly, and couldn't. couldn't and yeah. the White Sox rallied and, and uh, ended up walking it off. And, and uh, so as consistency goes, it comes and goes with him. I think he's better served to just throw an inning. Uh, I don't know if you'll see them try and bring him in the eighth much anymore. Um, but Manoa has been, I, the thing I love about Manoa is that he always looks like he's in trouble. I mean, there are those times when he can, you know, run two or three innings of, of three up, three downs, but then he gets into these situations where he walks a batter, he gives up a bloop single. He's got runners at first and third and one out. Next thing you know, it's a double play mm-hmm. or it's a strikeout and a pop out. He, he, he's a guy who almost guarantees you six or seven innings and maybe two earned at the end of the day. And um, he's a special character, man. And I, I, you know, I always reflect on what he said to might've been a Rash Madani in spring training. He said, you know, there were times when my mom went hungry. So he and his brother, Eric could eat. And, and I sometimes think that that, um, that desire to feed his family is one of the reasons why he, he is the way he is on the mound. Jamie and re- refresh my memory. Did, did he have the hype that Pearson had? No, no. Nowhere near. No, I, he was, he was a valued pick. I think it was eleventh overall in eighteen. Right. Um, I remember it very well. Thinking, boy, watching some of the video during the draft of this guy, I thought they might have picked themselves up a special player here. But I, it, 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 it Pearson came on quickly. But Pearson was throwing a hundred miles an hour at the time he was drafted, and that's one of the reasons why the hype was so, so extravagant. No, that's it. It's all about velo, as they say, right? Velo, Bob. Hey, way, way to go. You know, um, I want to go back to Romano just for a second, then we got to take a break. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, and I do not follow any of the analytics, none of it. I hear the guys on the broadcast, you guys talking about some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I do see, you can't help but what, when you're watching on television, you see the um, the miles per hour on on the, on the screen, mm-hmm. I would say Romano's velo is down at least a mile, maybe two miles an hour on the fastball. The last four or five outings, he was regularly touching 90, going 97, 98, sometimes 99. I don't know if he's hit a hundred probably, but that is much rarer. Now, now you see a lot of fastballs at 94 and 95. And I'm wondering whether you've noticed that or whether you've talked to anybody about it. Interesting. I thought I saw 96, 97 in that Chicago outing. Well, he, he'll hit I, that. I might be wrong. Right. He'll hit that. But he does. I can't remember the last time he hit 98 or 99. And he was doing that. And I yep. saw a lot of 94s and 95s. And I didn't see that before. I was seeing 96, 97 all the time. Isn't that the product of a long season sometimes? Maybe it is. Yeah. But, you know, we talk about arm fatigue a lot. Mm-hmm. And. You can talk about it with a reliever who's designed, like as you say, you know, to, to throw 10, 15, 20 pitches in a night and pitch two out of three nights. Totally different for a starter. And um, I don't know whether Barrios has got um, is a tired arm, a dead arm, or whatever. He did. But, yeah. but um, he is he's basically a two-pitch pitcher. He's got the he's got the slider which doesn't go down it goes basically across and he's got a fastball. Mm-hmm. And the fastball velocity is about the same I think. But the slider's getting whacked on like crazy. Mm-hmm. Now okay he's miss, he's missing his target I get that. But can you can you have a dead arm if you're only throwing 80 90 pitches? I guess you can. I mean, you know, Barrios suffered from dead arm after that disastrous outing in Anaheim, mm-hmm. but, but I think dead arm, if I'm not mistaken, is something that you do in time recover from maybe not so much. If you're, yeah. a rel- if you're a relief pitcher, who's being utilized every two, sometimes three days. Um, the one thing I noticed about Romano and, and you referenced the slider and the fastball is that I see him always starting off an inning with the slider, trying to get it over for strikes 
And then he, he tends to go to the fastball later in the, in the count, if not in the inning, just to, you know, once he's found his c- command of the slider, that that's, that's a pattern that I notice. And sometimes I think people or hitters will jump on the slider early because they know it's coming. Um, well, we're all guilty of patterns and I, I'll tell you one of his patterns. I'll tell you if I was, if I had two strikes on me and I was in the box against him, you know, where I'm looking, Heater. Fast, uh, I'm looking fastball up. Yeah. Right. Right. And then I mean, they go after it too. And he's been successful with that. Can't argue it. Right. Right. But it's yeah. it, it really is. It's interesting that, you know, I'm sure if you there are people who could break down all this. I know there are people that break down mm-hmm. all this stuff. And there are if you think pitchers don't have patterns and and things that they want to do over and over again because they've had success in the past, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they do it. They do it all the time. And it's, you know, it's almost predictable. No complaint. In, but- in Romano's, you know, defense, I think the one thing that he's a whole lot better at and, and, and separates him from somebody like Merriweather, for example, is that he can spot the fastball. So if you need it down and in, um, mm-hmm. up and in, regardless, he tends to be able to hit the four quadrants with the 97 and 98 when he has that velocity versus someone like Merriweather who, who just couldn't seem to do that consistently. And that's Don't where disagree. the difference lies. Don't disagree. We got to take a break. Jamie Campbell's with us. We'll come back with more after these messages. McCowan, Shannon, Jamie Campbell of Sportsnet is uh, with us. We talk about the Blue Jays specifically baseball in a more in more general way. Do you expect the Blue Jays to make a trade for a starter? Uh, I don't. I don't expect them to, and I'll tell you why. Because at last check, there were about sixteen or seventeen teams in a playoff scenario and every single one of those teams going to want to add. And I know there are some names out there being floated by non-contending teams that would be great additions, but I would love to see them do something. But history tells us that the only teams that trade away, you know, good major league ready players at the deadline um, do so to teams who have what they're looking for in terms of notably prospect capital. And, And the question becomes, what do the Blue Jays have to give away that's going to convince a team like, say, I don't know, the Cincinnati Reds to give up a major league caliber starter? Uh, and we've been having lots of conversations internally about who on this roster you can unload. And, you know, names like, believe it or not, Alejandro Kirk have come mm-hmm. up. Yep. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has come up. He, as- he comes up all the time. Yeah, and before and I don't know I mean, why, and, and that's and that's before you start throwing out names like uh, Groshans or Martinez or or guys that are in the system and who don't have any major league time, and and in fact, Siddle told me the other day he said, "What what would you think about trading Alejandro Kirk?" and and I said, "Well, I hate to tell you, but their depth with respect to catching seems to be pretty strong right now, and he's at his all time high in terms of value." You know, if there's a club out there looking for a catcher with control who can hit and they have something that the Blue Jays desperately need, maybe it's not the silliest idea in the world. Well, that would be a starting pitcher, I think, right now, and but not just a starting pitcher, a decent starting pitcher. With years of control. Can't, with years can't, of control. Can't be a half-a-year rental for someone like that. No. Um, but it raises, a, you know, that this was sort of the next place I was going to go. <clears throat> Kirk's performance. Um, Jansen is apparently getting close mm-hmm. to coming back. I think he took BP. Did he not on the weekend? I believe he did. Yes. In Milwaukee. Yeah. And I mean, you could always send Mourinho back down, but he has not looked out of place. He has not looked like a kid who is gun shy or in over his head. Do you think <sighs> I'm going on the expertise of my broadcast partner on this one, um, the bat looks wonderful. Uh, he's had some tremendous at bats. Uh, the arm looks like it's elite. Um, but I, I think the club's record, this probably has nothing to do with him when he starts behind the plate is something like two and six or two and seven. And you've seen a lot of instances where, 
the pitch selection has been somewhat questionable and, and that might be part of the learning process for a kid like that. I would assume it is. Um, but there seems to be some necessary growth in the uh, game calling and receiving aspect. So yeah, I, I, I think the, 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 the future for this young man looks incredible. And that's why we could have this discussion about the possibility of perhaps unloading Alejandro Kirk. I, I know people would lose their minds in some respects over, over seeing that happen. But if, if Moreno is your quote unquote catcher of the future and Danny Jansen is your go-to guy when he returns, um, do you, do you really need a, a, a third guy who is, is going to be the <laughs> well, well, do you dare, you know, do, do you dare carry three catchers using making sure that one of them's always the DH? You have to, I mean, you have to right now. I mean, who are you going to say? Well, yeah, you can, you can send Moreno down. The, the, frankly, I don't want to see Moreno riding the bench at the major league level. No. If Danny Jansen comes back and he's playing three or four days a week and then Kirk's handling uh, the other games, I, I, Moreno needs to consistently play and he's better suited in AAA. Um, but you know, that might be a bat that you want to have later in the year if it continues to tear apart AAA pitching. So that's quite a decision on the, on the Jays. Well, yeah. the, 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 and the other thing is, is that, and I know, I know the team's hitting has improved recently again, a little inconsistent, but between Jansen and Kirk, they've been two of the best hitting stories of the season, haven't they? Yes, they absolutely have. <laughs> and and Moreno has that potential too to right. be. I mean, look, your 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 number four hitter, the guy that is protecting Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup, is a catcher who doesn't even catch every day. He's your DH. That's not the kind of thing you find in baseball very often. Uh, ever is really yeah. the, the correct answer. Um. And you don't want Moreno, as you said, sitting on the bench, and you don't really want him DHing. And that's that's therein lies the dilemma. Because Jansen, even though his bat came to life uh, much more this year, a little bit at the end of last year, but um, he's principally a defensive catcher. Principally, mm -hmm. that's his forte, and working with the pitchers, and he's done it more than either the other two combined. Um, so that experience has value. But I don't know how you care, have three of them. I, I don't know how I don't know how you schedule Jamie uh, a week's worth of work for all three when you don't want Mourinho sitting on the bench doing nothing, and you don't really want him DHing. What if you move Jansen? Well, but that and, that, and speak, that, leaves, that but that, that speaks to your you, that, that speaks to you your with, issue though, Jamie, uh, that you talked about early on right. about how you manage your pitchers and do, do the young, two young guys, what are they? 21, 22, 23. Yeah. How do they manage a pitching staff? Right. We had, we, we tabulated all of the teams that made the postseason last year and 90% of them had catchers who had something like seven years of experience. And, and to me, I don't think you can enter the 2022 postseason if you make it with two kids essentially handling the catching duties. That's a personal opinion, but mm. um, it, it's just, it's, it's rarely done as, as well as despite the fact that one of them is, is hitting like you know, Ted Williams these days. Well, I tell you what, it's pretty obvious to me what has to happen as, as, as Moreno's got to go back to Buffalo. Mm. I, I think mean, that's what will happen. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, you know, Kirk's bat, you think Jansen's experience and as to your point, you know, there, there are still parts of Moreno's game that needs to work, needs mm -hmm. to be worked. Mm -hmm. Pretty obvious to me until they get to the point where they realize, okay, we do need a starting pitcher <laughs> and, and, and how long they can hold on with the pitching staff that they have. But again, well, anything can happen. Maybe at the deadline, you, you talk about uh, this need for, say, a starter. Or, or someone at the back end of the bullpen, a Daniel Bard type at the back end of the bullpen. Maybe it's amazing. If you look at the history of the Blue Jays and the trades they've made, they made deals that nobody saw coming. The right. Donaldson deal with Oakland, David Price coming from Detroit. Perhaps there's a veteran catcher coming back in a deal involving one or two of the guys on the roster right now and a prospect. Who knows? Well, that's... 
that makes, that'll make you think for a while. That, that suggestion. You got, I don't see I, that, but I mean, I guess anything is possible. Ben who falls head, out of the race, right? Yeah, yeah. People's heads spinning now, Jamie. Way to go! Well, no, I'm just. I'm, it, that, this is why. Look, this is why I love when I get messages on, say, Twitter, and say, "Hey, you know what the Blue Jays need to do? They need to go and get so and so." And I think yeah. to myself, "Well, I'm sure they've thought of that, right? I'm sure they've reached out to the team in question." But if you don't have the goods to give up, you're not going to get anybody. And more importantly, history tells us you cannot forecast what they're going to do. They will always surprise you. And and doesn't it doesn't it all isn't it also dictated by where Ross and, and Mark think the growth of this team is right now? I mean, is this the year or is next year the year? Um, I think the fans thought this year was supposed to be special. So the bookmakers. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but but I I think there's a you know inside the the hallowed halls, you know, you have to say okay because they have to sign players, they have to figure out their budgets. Perhaps perhaps internally, internally, this wasn't the year that the fans and the bookmakers expected it to be. Perhaps I would suggest they feel that this is a team that can go deep um, based on their actions in the offseason. Uh, you don't go and get Kevin Gosman um, hoping, hoping to, to finish. <laughs> you no, know, but you have Gosman for more than one year, though. Th- that you do. But, but, I mean, look at the makeup of this team at the start of the season. Manoa was coming off a tremendous um, quote-unquote rookie season. Yeah. Um, they signed Gosman to the long-term deal. They add to the back end of the rotation with Kikuchi. They already have a reasonably established closer. They have a guy playing first base who darn near won the American League MVP. They've got a, a future star at shortstop. They had all of the... Pieces they, went, they went and got an elite third baseman. They went and got a, an elite third baseman indeed. So, yeah, it, it, it tells me that they think they can do something special this year and beyond. So, yeah, I would expect people would be greatly disappointed if they don't at least make the playoffs. Ooh, you're darn right. <laughs> right? Yeah, oh, no, no, is, you're right. And look, hey, I, I'm the host of the pregame show. I've, also, I've been selling this package for some time too. So, it's kind of on <laughs> those of us who. You know, who are, I always tell people I'm, I'm as much as a salesman as I am a broadcaster, right? This is a, this is a team that I consider to be quite good. And, and I'm kind of hoping they don't let me down. But you're not alone in that. I don't think, I think you'd be a fool if you didn't think this team Agreed. should make the postseason. Right. I think everybody right. who watches Blue Jay games consistently thought, and I never said World Series. I've never uttered those words. I don't know whether you have, I suspect not, but no, um, even, you know, Vegas during the offseason made the Blue Jays the favorite to win the American League. The Dodgers were the favorites in the National League. I don't know whether it closed that way, but it certainly was that mm-hmm. way for some period of time. Um, it's not that way anymore. So there were plenty of people that looked at this roster and said, this roster is good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This roster is ready. This is not a team filled with rookies, inexperienced players. They're they're two arguably most inexperienced players at the beginning of the year. Well, Kirk aside, because you didn't think he was going to play much. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't even, we didn't even know if he was going to make the team, to be very honest, in, the mm-hmm. beginning, in spring training. Uh, your, your, your two least experienced players were at first base and shortstop, mm-hmm. and they're both all-stars. Yes, yeah, but but the, but the, the issue for me is, is that, that pl- playoffs were a given. It, they were a given, and, and and now they're only a given with the new playoff format. That's the thing that concerns me: is that this is a team that was gonna was gonna look to October. Can, you know, October was you know when they were gonna you know make their names. Now they're on the cusp. Now that and that to me is the biggest concern. That to me is because because we're gonna are we gonna see another playoff race like we saw last year? And this year, it's not going to be Seattle on the outside. I'm not saying they're, Seattle's any good, but is it going to be Seattle on the outside and the Jays in or, or another team on, in and the Jays out? I, I, I must remind you, we're not even at the halfway point, right? <laughs> There's still so much to happen. 
I, no. I warn people, look, the Yankees are incredible. I, I, I will tip my cap. They are an amazing baseball team, but they just went 16 and a third innings without yeah, a hit. Did. Yeah. And, and Lord help them if, I don't know, um, Nestor Cortez or Garrett Cole have some kind of an injury that keeps them out of action for a month or two, or, or somebody steps on Aaron Judge's foot at the wrong time, right? This, this, is, this is a grind, and it's the team that can make it through 162 without you know, any notable absences that, that usually comes out all shiny and clean at the end. Hmm. How do you feel about the way the Blue Jays use the DH position? And I know they're not alone. Um, but we had a conversation, I forget who it was with a few weeks ago, and, and I made the point, you know, when I remember when the DH came in and every team went out and got a 30-something-year-old guy who couldn't play the field anymore but could still mm-hmm. hit. Yeah. And there were plenty of them around. And their careers were extended by two, three, four years even. Mm-hmm. Um, and now almost nobody has a DH. They have several players who jump in there. Right. And, and I'm intrigued by whether you think there's any advantage in that or having a guy who knows what his role is, sits on the bench for 99% of the time, and three or four times or five times a game gets up and, and hits. In other words, Frank Thomas, right? I think, yeah. I think uh, the there's days, one. There were a million of them. Right. Right. The, the Frank Thomas style DH to me. David Ortiz. Exactly is is a thing of the past and and i think what the blue jays are doing right now in utilizing um that particular position is is very very impactful long term because it's giving it's giving george springer a day off his feet and let's be honest there's a guy who needs it from time to time it's giving vladimir guerrero jr a day off his feet and there's a guy who needs it whoa from time to time i get springer because Springer has been injury prone and has never, I don't think he's played anywhere close to 162 games in his entire no. career. And even when he's, I, I worry about him hurting himself even when he's sitting. <laughs> Guerrero, I do not understand. First of all, he's playing the easiest position you can possibly play first base, oh, other than DH. And he's 20, what, three, four years old. Tell me why this guy can't be there 162 days a year. Because there's no need to anymore. Because you might as well do what you have to do to protect the asset. And you know, you watch him every day, you see how hard the guy plays. He's, he's, become, he's become a tremendous defensive first baseman. Yeah, but he doesn't run out. But he doesn't run out ground balls in the infield. He's well, very yeah, typical that way. But but balls in the gap. Look at how hard he goes. Well, to, okay, to, that you're supposed right? to. That's what you're taught to do. He's but, he's a he's a he's a bad slide away. Look what happened to Espinal on Sunday in Milwaukee. Who you know he almost he he almost damaged his ankle by a, an improper slide into second base. That could yeah, happen but, to Vladdy. I don't gee. think there's anything wrong with rotating through and keeping guys fresh. Let's just put it that way. By the way, Bob, the conversation about the DH and all of this stuff was with Alex Anthopoulos, if you recall. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we go, uh, Jamie, just uh, lots of people interested. Uh, how's your health? What's going on? How's your treatment? You look great. Great. Well, thank you. I feel good. Um, the medical marvel that is uh, a, um, something called a brute nib is a, is a pill that I take, three of them, every morning. And uh, things are going so well, John, that I like to tell people, I tend to forget every morning that I have leukemia. Mm. It's only when I get to the ballpark and God bless the support I've gotten. Believe me, I'm not complaining about this. It's only when I get to the ballpark and people say, Jamie, we're praying for you. Do I remember why they are so kind to me? And that is that uh, I do, in fact, have leukemia. So the, the treatment's going so well that every morning I actually forget that I have it. Well, we're happy for you, and we uh, we hope and assume it will continue to be that way um, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, listen, we want to thank you very much for uh, taking time for us. You're always generous, and we appreciate it, especially on a game day. And uh, we uh, will we'll bug you somewhere down the road, and we'll have another one of these conversations. Thanks, pal. I'd, li- I'd like that. Great to see you both. Cheers. Jamie Campbell of Sportsnet. We're back after this. We are back. Our thanks to Jamie Campbell for uh, joining us. Well, 
What would you do with the catching situation? Because Jansen's going to be back maybe, mm-hmm. maybe as soon as later this week. And now you got three guys, um, three catchers, and no more than two spots if you include the DH. Which I'm, means I'm, one I'm guy Moreno is sitting back. every day. What? I'm sending Moreno back because I want him to play. You need him to play. You need him to get reps. You need, you know, and we, as we talked about with Jamie, uh, you, you, we need to, we need to find a way to improve his game management. Hitting's not an issue. The arm is not an issue. Game management is going to be something that is going needs work. And, and, you know, you, ha- and that's reps, Bob, that all that is, is reps. And that's, that's what has to happen. Now, you know, and you know me, I, um, I, I believe that you can learn at the major league level and you should learn at the major league level if you have the talent base. However, I'm going to agree with you on the basis of numbers, not on the basis of skill set. I think the kid is plenty good enough to be here and to play. Yeah. Um, But if you had to trade one of the other two guys, Jansen or Kirk, you are trading. Depends on what you can get. Like the, the sense right now is you could get a bundle for Kirk. But what do you want for Kirk? What would you want? Well, I, I need a starting pitcher. I need a starting pitcher, period. I don't care. I don't care who I mean, I'm getting rid of. I need a starting pitcher. Correct. That is the correct answer. You need a starting pitcher and you need one that isn't five in your rotation. Yeah. Maybe four if you have to. Three would be preferable, even though you got a three. Yeah. You want a starting pitcher that you can rely on, not a maybe. Yeah. So you've, you've answered the questions. Well, can you get that for Kirk? Can no. you get somebody's second best pitcher for a 22-year-old catcher who's hitting 320 with a bunch of home runs? A 22-year-old catcher that you have control of for a few years. That's the key. A lot of years. Yeah, that's the key, Bob. Maybe four, four, Maybe five. Yeah. So that's what I, I, I and, and what you have to do right now is prove that you're not desperate. That's the key. We got to well, go. We're going to find out the answers to all these questions at some point in time. Uh, We must off. We'll see you again tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.